Welcome, friends. Uh, you're listening to the What's Right Show. Sam Rajofsky here, your host, better known as Nevada's favorite recovering ex-Californian. All right, I have to share this with you real quick. I was, uh, just after the program yesterday, was was leaving the office uh, about 3.30 or so. Downtown Las Vegas, beautiful area here in the Arts District. I'm, I'm walking outside and I see two guys nonchalant as can be, just walking along and tagging. Uh, well, they, they started with a with a with one of those boxes that has, you know, like a Transformers and whatever, you know, and uh, utility boxes, you know, that you see along along the side of a, of a street. And, and so they, they kind of tagged there and moved on. I watched them go across the street and continue basically defacing walls and, uh, light poles, utility boxes, and their past. So I, I got to get in my car and I, I follow them. I snap a photo and I didn't, no, I didn't confront them because I don't, I don't need that, right? But I, I, uh, you know, made the appropriate call and if something's done about it, something's done about it. But I have to tell you, this is, see, this is exactly the kind of problem that, type of problem that I've been describing here for some time. What kind of punishment? Cops come out, find the person, catch them red-handed. What kind of punishment do they get? A ticket? This person in one afternoon can do thousands upon thousands of dollars of damage if they tag a surface that can't be repainted or cleared easily, right? Certain tiles, that kind of thing, where stuff doesn't come off. Those things have to be replaced. When these people scratch a glass window, do you know what it's like to replace an entire giant piece of glass in an industrial building? Even if you have the kind of protected film that we do here on our building, you still have to get the crew out to come out, set an appointment, take the film off, replace it with new film. That's a $2,000 you know, visit. The amount of damage done, the cost of the behavior is so out of whack with the punishment that the behavior gets that there's a, a complete disincentive for any of these people to, to stop what they're doing. I don't understand why they do it, right? I'm not here to get into the psyche of the criminal, but this behavior is... You could dismiss it. Oh, they're artists. No, they're not artists. They're defacing private property, public property. And by the way, the city has to come in and hire contractors. I know it's not cheap. And these people do nothing but 24-7 go around town cleaning up stuff that shouldn't have to be cleaned up. So I, on Twitter, at What's Right Sam, uh, mentioned this and and. Uh, put out there their, the photo of these two yahoos. And I, I suggested perhaps a radical rethink on how folks like this uh, are punished. Now, I, I, some of it's tongue-in-cheek, of course. I suggested public canings over at the Fremont Street Experience, which I... Can you imagine? Let's just, for a minute, set aside the constitutional problems with that. Might fall under 
you know, uh, probably a cruel and unusual punishment. Regardless, let's just say we could do it. First off, wildly entertaining. Uh, I'm pretty certain that we would get tourism uh, from that, but, uh, but I also think what a great thing to take my kids to. Well, maybe not the Fremont Street experience, but, but taking, look, hey, that guy right there defaced public property, private property. He's going to get caned. He has, come, come see it. Don't you kids ever think about doing this? My other idea was, you know, they've got those busker circles that uh, kind of dedicated zones for performers. Uh, we could just put a little cage in there, make somebody serve four hours of, of, of humiliation, have people walk by and, and, um, and scowl at them and make fun of them and take their photo. I mean, I think that'd be a lot worse than a fine or even a night in jail. I'm just saying. So, I mean, something has to be done. There has to be a real punishment. There has to be real jail time. If you are the kind of person that in the course of a year uh, does, you know, $25,000, dollars $100,000 of damage to private and public property, it's not a ticket. It can't be a ticket. And when you add into it the various fires that are set around town, there's, there's a fire every month, at least, a major fire in downtown. Usually it's the unhoused element that is setting it. And there's, of course, mental health problems, drug use, that kind of stuff that we talk about all the time. But this, this but even that, I mean, the cops show up, they know who it is. And they don't want to take them into jail. They don't want the person in jail because, of course, they're dirty and have all sorts of nasty skin lesions. And they don't want to deal with that. I don't want to even touch that person. They don't want that person in their cop car. And I, I get it, right? I understand. But something has to be done. And I think it's, in a way, it's a metaphor. It is. It's, it's, it's a metaphor for this terrible story that, by the way, we have updates to. November 1st, uh, Jonathan Lewis Jr., 17-year-old Rancho High School student, was, uh, was beaten to death by a group of teens. It's been described alternatively as a group of 15, 16 kids. Yesterday, eight teens were arrested, and as I understand this morning, four of them are going to be tried as adults. So the court... Uh, has petitioned the um, the court has been petitioned by the prosecution here to have these folks transferred to the adult court system because they're 16 or 17. If you remember, I was talking to Alan Stock, Scott uh, Stock, excuse me, <laughs> talking to Alan about this yesterday. And you know, if, if you're 16 and up, you can be you can be tried as an adult, but they have to be certified by the family court judge uh, to, to, to advance that. It's a formality typically, but nonetheless. So that's in process. Now, why, why am I saying, what does this have anything to do with, with taggers? Well, uh, it, it's all interconnected, folks. For, first off, you, you know, you start with low-level vandalism, you get away with it, and it, it, these behaviors escalate to further property crimes, assaults, etc. If you can act lawlessly and get away with it at only encourages further lawlessness. There's no two ways about it. Now, I had an exchange. Uh, I've, 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 a number of you are teachers out there. 
and have emailed me, which of course any of you can do, sam at salmonashlaw.com, sam at salmonashlaw.com. And, uh, you know, I, I've, a number of you have been telling me for quite some time about the problem in our schools that kids are getting away, students are getting away with, with, uh, with murder, right? Not literally, because once they commit murder, they, you know, now it's serious, right? Now they're getting arrested. They're, they're getting, if they're 16 or up, they're getting potentially tried as adults. It's a big deal. But they're, they are, as a matter of speech, they are getting away with terrible things in the classroom that only encourage them to further escalate their bad behaviors, I asked one of my teachers that I correspond with privately, and I will not name him, but I asked him about this. I said, hey, you've been following the, you know, the Rancho High School story. Terrible, right? Any, what are your thoughts, of course, on this being related to restorative justice, no discipline? And his response was, yeah, to a very high degree. So he goes, he basically said, the kids there at Rancho have never, and I'm quoting here, have never known a single impactful consequence from anyone in the district. Let that sink in. They've never known a single impactful, con and, and this is somebody that is on the inside and, under, and, and knows. They have been, and the quote continues here, direct quote from a teacher, high school teacher here in uh, Clark County. That's as far as I'm gonna describe him. Uh, they have been brutalizing students, teachers, and other staff every day of their scholastic careers, and I mean every day. And they've been empowered by society and the school system to do it. Think about that. We have a system that lets people be awful. I, I'm trying to make this as basic. And so they, they let, they, they, they can be disrespectful in the classroom. They cannot listen to their teacher. They can disrespect their teacher. They can yell profanity at their teacher. See how this is escalating? Next thing you know, they just smack a student in class. They get away with it. Next thing you know, they smack the teacher in class. We've had instances of that occurring. And the behavior just progressively gets worse. And then suddenly we have a video of, for example, two Las Vegas teens mowing down a retired guy just riding his bike, minding his own business, mowing him down, killing him deliberately in cold blood and laughing about it like hyenas. <laughs> it's horrible. They're laughing about it in court. You know why? Because every time they've ever been confronted about their bad behavior, they've been able to get off. So why would this time be any different? So now another video, another death, another senseless loss. And we have a crime and punishment story. And I don't want to hear it from another wretched, bleeding heart lib about how we need to be compassionate. My compassion is with the innocent lives that are being lost. All at the altar of this woke social justice BS movement. I'm taking a break. I'll give you another example of this in another news story where there was a development yesterday. In this case, nine people died, all because 
We couldn't get it together here in Nevada and punish bad behavior. You don't want to miss this. Sam Urjofsky, News Talk 840 KXNT. You're listening to The What's Right Show, brought to you by Sam and Ash Injury Law, because you deserve what's right. If you've been in an accident, there's no reason to call a sleazy lawyer. It's not just about the settlement check. It's about representing your interests and your values. So call Sam and Ash at 702-820-1234 or visit samandashlaw.com. Hi, welcome back. Sam Rajovsky here. Rarely wrong, always right host of the What's Right program. Common Sense Conservatism brought to you by Sam and Ash Injury Law, Monday through Friday, 1 to 3 p.m. So, all right, whether it's vandalism, disrespect in classrooms, thefts, and other, call it low-level offenses and crimes that have been championed by the left, by the progressives out there as you know, as things we ought to be compassionate about as a society, right? We ought not prosecute these folks, uh, throw the book at them for, you know, these minor offenses. We need to, you know, kind of look at it holistically. The in-term to describe this restorative justice, and it's permeated our education system through laws that have been passed that deliberately put in place more talking, more how are your feelings, and less consequences, same as in our criminal justice system. Now, the very predictable consequence of this is because, yeah, you can do away with legal consequences, but in the real world, there are consequences because that's how it is, right? You can't, I mean, you ask a liberal, but a liberal probably could, Hear me out on this. A liberal could probably talk himself out of the law of gravity if given enough emotional juice to do so. But the fact is, no matter how hard you try or how many contortions of logic you engage in, if I take a pen and I drop it, you know, right here on this, I got my desk in front of my computer, microphone, camera too. We occasionally record some of the show. If I drop the pen, what happens? Falls on my desk, right? 10 out of 10 times. If it doesn't, we got a real problem. So it's exactly the same way it's predictable that when you don't prosecute low-level crimes, you get bigger crimes. And let me give you another example of this. I promised to do this just before the break. Yesterday, the Review Journal, the RJ, reported that the NTSB, right? This is the National Transportation Safety Board investigating a January 22 crash here in North Las Vegas. Killed nine people. The crash, nine people died. And do you know why? Gary Dean Robinson, the driver of the car that caused the accident, caused the crash, was speeding. And he was a serial speeder. And at every turn along the way, and all of his previous encounters with law enforcement when he was cited for speeding, all but one were reduced to non-moving violations. All but one. According to board member Michael Graham of the NTSB, so these are the feds that came in to investigate this accident. 
the state of Nevada failed to hold the driver accountable. RJ writes, despite the fact that Robinson received at least five speeding tickets since August 2020, so that's two years before the crash, including one for traveling over 40 miles an hour over the limit, none of the charges were found on his driving history. Right? None of it. Robinson is far from alone. An investigation by the RJ found more than 200,000 traffic tickets were reduced to parking violations between 2017 and 2021. And the NTSB calls this, you know, systemic deficiencies that allowed a driver with the history of speeding tickets to continue operating a motor vehicle unimpeded and with impunity. That word impunity is starting to be a theme of much of what I talk about on this program. Impunity means you just keep doing bad things without any fear of kind of consequences. If we, if, we, if we continue to operate our society this way, we're, we're going to be in, in, a, in a world of hurt. Now you'd think that against the backdrop of 200,000 plus cases being reduced from moving violations to uh, non-moving violations and this being a system that is being blatantly abused, you would think that our Democrat legislature and our former Democrat governor, Steve Sisolak, would think that maybe we need to crack down on bad driving. And I say this as a PI lawyer, trust me, I have seen and I'm intimately aware of how bad the driving is in the city. Well, you know, January 1st of this year, Assembly Bill 116-116 was passed. It was passed back in 2001, went into effect in January, and it basically decriminalized most traffic tickets, took them, made them, made them civil offenses. So my question is, to every person that thought that was a good idea, for every Democrat in the Assembly that voted for this and in the Senate, and to Steve Sisolak, who himself caused a fairly bad traffic accident once when he may or may not have been under the influence. No, no, he was determined not to be drunk, by the way, Robbie. Don't look at me like that. It was, uh, everybody thought he'd be drunk because he was um, he's a, kind of a, a notorious lush. But anyway, he was, he was not determined to be uh, under the influence, but caused an accident. You'd think if one of their loved ones were killed by a, by a driver who repeatedly causes crashes or gets himself, at least at the very least, caught for speeding, even major speeding over the limit, you would think these people would be less in favor of making it nearly impossible to hold people accountable. If a speeder gets away with speeding, what, what do you think the net-net result of that is? They're going to continue doing it, and they'll do it until something goes wrong horribly. You know, Assembly Bill 116 was passed in 2021 with, quote, the aim of ushering in a more equitable system for communities of color and low-income people who are disproportionately targeted by traffic stops. Let me just throw up in my mouth right now. Guess the races 
of the people that were killed in that North Las Vegas crash. Yeah, I'll leave it there. But you know what? Speeding vehicle, a criminal that's out of control, whatever it is, colorblind. Everyone gets hurt. This has to stop. Sam Rajofsky, News Talk 840 KXNT. You're listening to The What's Right Show. Personal injury law is constantly changing. Uber and Lyft accidents aren't like other cases, but most law firms haven't kept up. Don't trust a new case to a lawyer who's stuck in the past. Call Sam and Ash, 702-820-1234, or visit samandashlaw.com. Hi, welcome back. Your friend, Sam Rajofsky here, host of The What's Right Show. It's on like Donkey Kong. Let me tell you, by the way, I will be at, I think, all of the events for Formula One. So this is the last time you will hear me uh, this week uh, well-rested. <laughs> well, tonight's not a, not a late night. Tonight, uh, opening ceremonies, they're happening, uh, what is it, about uh, 6 o'clock, 5 o'clock, something like that, over by 9, which is, those are kind of my hours. But do you know some of these tickets, uh, yeah, the, the yeah the, the tickets are the the timing of this is is wild. I had it just man, I just had it here in front of me. One second, do, 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 do. yes. So tomorrow, Thursday, the practice, the first practice round is eight thirty to nine thirty, and the second one is wait for it two uh, twelve midnight to one a.m. There's an asterisk uh, there. Yeah, it goes in the next day. Thanks for that, guys. Helpful. Okay, Friday, practice 8.30 p.m. to 9.30 p.m. And then, again, 12 a.m. to 1 a.m. Fabulous. And Saturday is the big race. So that starts, the race starts at 10 and goes to midnight. uh, Or so, or, or thereabouts. So now you know. If you don't, if you're not going to the race... And you have no reason to be on the on the Las Vegas Strip. I would um, I, I would advise from staying away from it. It's already a nightmare. Everything's barricaded up. It's a zoo. So, you know, keep keep your keep a safe distance. That's that's my advice. And I will inform you tomorrow and Friday about my observations from the um, from the race. So I will I will I will fill you in on all of that when. Um, when uh, when I come back here tomorrow, though, though I, tomorrow I'll be okay. Friday I might be a little sleep deprived, so we'll see how that how that goes. Uh, by the way, speaking of you know, I mentioned a teacher I'd been corresponding with here in Clark County, public school teacher, high school teacher who is. Uh, I, I, a number of, of my correspondents here, I've had I've had conversations with with teachers about how bad the situation is, the lack of accountability of students that are out of control. Now, there was a story, a piece, I saw this two days ago, had it printed up in my stack of stuff, didn't get to it until now, but I I don't want too much time to go by before I address this. Because this was on Reddit, and it was in in confessionals. Yeah, so the confession here was from a teacher who teaches at a Title I school. And he writes that uh, my job... Here at the school with the progressive administration has made me less liberal. So I saw that headline and I thought, God, I got to read this. Well, fascinating because 
So this is a teacher who 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 went in. Okay, let me let me just read to read you kind of a couple of of important snippets from this. This is a guy. I think it's a guy. Could be a gal. Writes, quote, at the beginning of my career, I swallowed all the social justice, restorative discipline, no grade below 50, build relationship stuff, hook, line, and sinker. So I read that line, and of course, I got hella interested. It continues. Now in year 10, I feel like a bitter shell of myself who no longer believes in any of it. Now he describes, the writer describes six drivers of his change of heart. And I think this is, um, I think this is important to discuss. So the first one is what I've been talking about here forever, horrendous student behavior, directly proportionate to bad parenting that the admin, the administration accuses, excuses as quote unquote, it's just trauma. We can't discipline for that. And students, of course, run into zero consequences until they get arrested at age 17 for felonies. Mike drop. Isn't that exactly what we've been talking about here? So let me continue. Second factor, continued lowering of the bar. Standards basically in the toilet. It's all in the name of equity. While kids who are trying to get into college can't find rigorous courses to take. And in the few that exist, everyone is allowed in because of, again, equity. So tons of kids just screw around. That's what I'm saying. If you've got a class of 40 kids, all it takes is one or two real F-ups, right? Just bad kids who fear no consequences don't give a rip to disrupt the entire class, to derail not the entire year of education that is owed to the remaining 38 students. But here in Nevada, we allow restorative justice to be part of our approach to discipline in the classroom. Even after the rewrite last session, we still have it, and we still require us to look at these various factors, and when we come up with discipline plan, look, my discipline plan would be very easy. My discipline plan would be extremely straightforward, you know, if... I had some power around here. If you're disrupting the classroom, you're out. You get one warning. I don't care if you're black, white, purple. Don't give a rip. I don't care about your traumas. I don't give a crap about who your parents are or aren't. You disrupt the class once, you get a warning. You disrupt it twice, you're getting a suspension. And the third time you do it, you're out of the school and you get to go to a designated school, a, a, well, I don't care what you call it, a warehousing school for bad kids. And by the way, that school is a miserable place to be. There isn't anything fun at the school. These classrooms are these, it's, it's semi juvie hall. And it's for kids that don't deserve to be with kids that want to learn. And you as a student get to pick, do you want to sit in, you know, general population with, you know, kids that want to learn. And if you don't want to learn, just sit down and shut the hell up. But if you want to learn, if you don't, but you know, if you don't do that, right, then you get to go to the, to the rubber room. 
Ah, point three here on the list that this one Reddit teacher writes in his confessional about why he's become a conservative after teaching for 10 years in a Title I school. Are you ready for this, Robbie? Quote, prioritizing the needs of three to four disruptive students over the needs of the other 30 trying to learn. I rest my freaking case. Number four, browbeating some teachers into accepting unprofessional, uncollegial behavior from other teachers because admin is afraid of being called racist. Ha, you know what this is? Let me translate that for you. You've got a handful of teachers who are, well, they're not really teachers. They're activists. They're not there to teach. They're there to indoctrinate. And they're, terribly unprofessional and disruptive actually probably I would I'll tell you what in in staff meetings get the faculty together principal says something and immediately that big I'm not going to describe I said big that's bad enough you know the the purple hair lady well the rainbow hair lady starts talking about how it needs to be more inclusive and no one can say boo because you criticize that person. You're a racist. You're a bigot. You're a transphobe, whatever. I get that. Number five, he saw this person complaining, about, well, explaining why he's become a conservative after teaching in a, and being liberal and teaching in a Title I school for 10 years. Seeing the long-term effects of lowered expectations and accepting the bare minimum from students and families. You know, that's the saddest thing. All these white liberals that profess to want to help minorities are doing the exact opposite. These poor kids that are growing up in our community are right here in Las Vegas. They're every bit Las Vegans and Nevadans as you and I. Their parents are crap. Okay, happens. And then they go to school. And everybody at that school who is supposed to be there to help them, who's getting paid from our tax dollars. What happens? They just, in the name of quote-unquote equity, say, no, oh, that's too much for you. You, you. you can't handle that. What we call the soft bigotry of low expectations. Oh, Jose is a minority. He comes from the east side. Jose can't do that. Do you understand how bigoted that is? How profoundly racist that is? It's so sad it makes me want to cry. And we shouldn't accept this. We shouldn't. And, and the, the, the insane thing is it's actually people on the right who are articulating this position like me. And it's people on the left that are that are saying, but no, 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 we just need to, we, you know, we, they can't do that. What's one of the, a recent story, national story about precisely this, this problem? Uh, the SATs? Oh, we're going to make the SATs easier or we're going to do away with the need of SATs, period. Um, because a disproportionate number of, of, of kids, children of color are, are not doing well. 
well, I think maybe we ought to ask about this, these children of color and ask about how their districts are run, what kind of education they're getting, and maybe how much restorative justice is involved. And maybe it's not the fact that these kids come from poor areas. Maybe it's because these kids come from school districts that don't teach them anything and let the inmates run the asylum. That is my entire criticism right now of CCSD, you know, so, you know, writ large. They are a warehouse for kids. Jara is, is a warehouse manager. They just put kids in and take kids out. The schools that work are the ones where parents demand that they work, where there would be an insurrection because the parents are sophisticated and smart. And then where the parents aren't in a position to come with pitchforks, and demand change from the principal in those neighborhoods, the schools fail because these people that run the district will always revert to the lowest common denominator because it's easier for them. And if you think I'm wrong, you think I'm harsh, you think I'm too, you know what, fine. If you're a good, hardworking teacher, I, I can't even imagine how hard your life is right now. In your place, I would, I would come home. I would come home and I would probably cry. It's awful. And the system lets down the very people we ought to be helping and the very people that the leftists in this town, in this county, in this state purport to want to help. But the thing is, it's all BS. It's all fugazi. They don't care. They don't give a rip. And I'm telling you, I am telling you as clearly as I can, as I can at some point, I'm going to get pissed off and, uh, and, and, and I got a day job, but I, I tell you, I want to roll my sleeves up and do something about this here in Nevada. We have an opportunity to fix it. It's fixable. But you got to set aside all of these lunatics and you got to argue with them on these, on the, on the principles here, on the ideas behind all of this. We've got to convince the public that what I am saying here is right. You know, I, I bet you if I, if, I, if I were able to sit down with parents on the east side of Las Vegas and I told them plain and simple, guys, this is the problem. And I laid it out. And I said, these kids, these schools are failing you. What I think is your teacher needs to be empowered to discipline your student, your child. My guess is that I would get majority buy-in for that. That's my guess. Maybe I'm optimistic, but I, I you know, I'm, I'm uh, folks, I'm as, as dismayed as I am by all this, I am an optimist. And I, I, I really genuinely want this, want this repaired. All right, I've gone long. They're yelling at me. Time for a break. Sam Merchofsky, News Talk 840 KXNT. You're listening to The What's Right Show, brought to you by Sam and Ash Injury Law, because you deserve what's right. I wonder if it pained him to write this. Uh, John Ralston, our very own John Ralston writing for, let's see, The Atlantic, uh, says why a blue-leaning swing state is getting redder. 
Sam Rajofsky here, News Talk 840 KXNT. John Ralston, of course, writing about uh, not Florida, which is now deep red, crimson red, if you will, but Nevada, our very own home state, my new adoptive uh, adoptive homeland. Uh, <laughs> well, here's... Here, they're going into the, he's going into the polling. Ralston is a, um, he would describe himself as a political junkie. And so he's looking at the polling. He goes, look, uh, Biden's in trouble in battleground states. Democrats are starting to sound a little apocalyptic, uh, you know. And uh, so here, um, you know, it says this is a trend that should worry Democrats and not just in Nevada. Um now, Donald Trump shows, this is a poll that he's referring to, the Times-Siena poll, shows Trump ahead of Biden in Nevada, 52 to 41%. It's a much larger margin that the former president has a lead than in other battleground, battleground states. Um, he says he's skeptical because he's spoken to a handful of experts in both parties, and none thinks that Trump is truly ahead by double digits. Now, a couple of things for Mr. Ralston to consider. Number one, Trump lost here 2.5 points. I'm, I'm convinced in part due to all the funny balance that were floating around in the ecosystem. May have still lost, but you know it, it was certainly closer than the final result, number one. Number two, I don't think the left appreciates just how independent even some Democrats are here in Nevada. All these problems that I'm describing, they're actually sort of non-party line issues. Trump is a polarizing candidate. I understand that. Uh, and And... There are a lot of people I know that are actually center-right but just do not like Trump. Trump is a, a problem for them. But they really don't like Biden. And they really don't like some of the left direction that Nevada has taken. They want to rebalance things. These are people that voted for Sisolak and then four years later voted for Lombardo. So I, I, I'm, I'm telling you, I think, I think it's competitive here in Nevada. I really do. I think it's competitive. And, well, one of the things, I wonder what a Joe Manchin run would do. See, Robbie, this is a fascinating thing. I've told everybody that I think 2024 is, like in terms of presidential races, will be one of the most interesting. Everybody says it's the most consequential. Fair enough. I think it's also most interesting. Right now, we already have a third-party candidate declared. We have uh, RFK Jr. So he's his hat's in the ring. We'll see. You know, if, will he get on most ballots, Robbie? Is there going to be a ballot problem for RFK Jr.? Probably not. I think he's going to. Right. I think he's going to. He's going to get on most of these ballots. So, so, so now the question is, right? What would Joe Joe Manchin do? Now, Joe Manchin, you know, he's senator, very popular, I would say popular and centrist Democratic governor in West Virginia. Now, he has just said he's not going up for re-election. He will not run for his Senate seat. 
So he was today on MSNBC talking to Kristen Welker. And he was, he was asked by Welker about his future. And Welker says, look, I mean, obviously you're facing a big decision. Can you take us inside your thinking now? Are you seriously contemplating a run uh, for the White House? This was his answer. Here's what I'm seriously contemplating. I, and I've said this very clearly, but people always want to say, well, are you going to run? I'm going to do everything in my power to make sure and mobilize that moderate, sensible, common sense middle. I'm totally, absolutely scared to death that Donald Trump would become president again. I think we will lose democracy as we need it, know it. And I'm afraid that Joe Biden's been pushed too far to the left. Can he come back? We'll see. But the bottom line is that's not the Joe Biden that we thought was being elected to go that far left. Well, this is interesting. So what would a fourth person do in the race in a state like Nevada? That's an interesting question. Let's explore it. Sam Rajovsky, News Talk 840 KXNT, The What's Right Show, brought to you by Sam and Ash Injury Law, will continue in a moment. If you've been in an accident, there's no reason to call a sleazy lawyer. It's not just about the settlement check. It's about representing your interests and your values. So call Sam and Ash at 702-820-1234 or visit samandashlaw.com. Hot off the presses here, folks. Uh, The Speaker of the House... Uh, Mike Johnson is um, has issued a statement on the impeachment or the possibility of impeachment of Joe Biden. Uh, Sam Rajovsky, News Talk 840 KXNT. You're listening to The What's Right Show. He writes, earlier today, I received an update from Chairman Comer, Jordan, and Smith on the House's impeachment inquiry. At this stage, our impeachment inquiry has shown the corrupt conduct of the president's family and that he and White House officials have repeatedly lied about his knowledge and involvement in his family's business activities. It has also exposed the tens of millions of dollars from foreign adversaries being paid to shell companies controlled by the president's son, brother, and their business associates. Now the appropriate step is to place key witnesses under oath and question them under the penalty of perjury to fill gaps in the record. So it's not impeachment now, but it's impeachment maybe. I'm leaving that there without comment. I think well, I think I think I, I, I think there's certainly overwhelming evidence. If this was a str- simple, straightforward criminal charges, uh, I think a case could be brought. And um, and I and I think that's that's uh, we'll see what happens when these people start to be put under oath. I just want to put a little asterisk there because you can lie to Congress as a Democrat, right? I mean, it's a it's a Republicans when they lie to Congress and violate the oath that they give. That's fine. I mean, they can they can get away with it. Now they don't get away. Republicans can't get away with it but when democrats come in they uh they they lie and and they get caught lying like mayorkas for example speaking of a guy that you know that probably ought to be impeached by this at this point anyway so just know that this kind of toothless to put somebody under under the penalty of perjury under oath and then 
they perjure themselves and and the Biden Justice Department isn't going to put them in jail. It's a fair point. All right, so now we are, uh, let's see. So we're looking at Manchin, a second, therefore potentially fourth, serious candidate running for president. Well, we have a bunch of people running in the primaries, but a, a fourth general election entry because we know RFK Jr. is running. And so far, polling shows RFK Jr. taking votes away from Trump, which I don't think is going to hold. I really don't. I think the more people learn about RFK Jr.'s various positions and all of his environmental wackoism and economic stuff, right? His thoughts on taxes. I mean, he's like a punitive taxation guy. You're telling me that Trump voters are, are, are all in for, you know, that he's Trump is losing support to a guy that, you know, wants a, you know, a 70% income tax that thinks not only is global warming real, but it's an existential threat to the universe. I don't know. Just I'm expressing some some concern that that may that may shift. But I will tell you 100% that a guy like Manchin comes in. Uh, his position is a little more defined. He is a old school Democrat. Now, does Trump have supporters that are old school Democrats? Yes, but they've been converted. I mean, they're 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 MAGA people. If Trump's in the race, they're going to Trump. So who does who does Manchin take away? Well, he takes away people who are disgruntled Democrats. I played for you just before the break the clip where he describes why he needs to do this. And he he says that Biden has gone too far left, that Joe Biden isn't the guy that we thought we were, we were getting. We, we got a completely different guy. We got this radical left-wing guy. And he's not, by the way, he's, he's not wrong about that, right? Because I remember during the election, people going, yeah, Biden's, a, Biden's you know, Biden's an old school Democrat. I, I can, a guy like Biden, I can get behind. Problem is Biden's not there. He's like a finger puppet. You know, he's he's just he's got, you know, whoever's running the, the show is is telling him where to go and, and what to say and what to do. His handlers, his staff run the show. So this, you know, I, I think I think net net result on all of this is is going to be uh, that that if, if Manchin actually enters the race. And is able to secure a place uh, on the ballot, he's what's that group that he's with, Robbie? He's with um, what is it? No labels, no labels. Um, what does that sound like to you? I no labels. I I don't know. It's it's like sounds like an NGO. All right, it just it sounds like some 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 relief organization. Yeah, politicians without borders. Well, that's what we folks. That's what we have, by the way, with with Mayorkas. And so there's a lot of hullabaloo about, you know, all oh, the Republicans can't even impeach Mayorkas. Now, I personally think an impeachment of Mayorkas is a far better move than impeaching Biden. I worry, does Biden deserve to be impeached? Yes. By the book, he does. My concern with it is, again, I'm a strategist. We can't do anything if we don't win in 2024, right? Can we agree on that? Like the, the overarching plan here is to win the damn thing, agreed? So 
what did all of these prosecutions of Trump do for Trump's popularity with his base? And I don't want to hear about, well, that was unjustified and a prosecution of Biden would be justified. I, I, I agree, but still, that's not how his people are going to view it. The prosecutions of Donald Trump made Trump wildly more popular and re-energized his base and brought back some supporters who had lost interest because it profoundly offends us, the whole thing. And I worry uh, that an impeachment proceeding um, can will do more to make, make Biden more sympathetic. And remember, he's, he's I, I just, I, that's my concern. Okay, so, so placing that there, far better is to go after a cabinet-level secretary of Homeland Security, the guy responsible for keeping the country safe for dereliction of duty. That's straightforward. How many millions of people, 8 million, what, what is it, 8 million now, Robbie, since the beginning of, of Maricus's term, the Biden administration, 8 million illegals in the country. Yet your job, your literal job is to protect the border. So F you, you're done, you're fired. That would be a solid move on the Republican. It, it keeps Biden there, and Biden then has to wear that albatross, right? If, if it goes through, he's got to say, I'm the, I, I had my own cat. I, I, I hired such an income poop in, in the office that, that he, he, got, you know, he got impeached. <laughs> and even if the impeachment doesn't go through, we get a nice documented case for why the Biden administration has failed at the border. It's sort of a win-win. So I like this one. So the question is, is it happening? And I'm, I'm getting some mixed signals. I, I, I know a lot of people are freaking out that it's not going to happen. But I think, I, I think it's being talked about. So here's, by the way, the House is, the House is, it's been, I know, it's got, it's been not tabled, but it's, it's been sent to committee, which could mean the death of it, but also could mean that they are, going to be asking him more questions. So today they had a, hearings, right? Mayorkas was brought to the House. They questioned him on threats to the U.S. So Michael Guest, Republican Mississippi, questions Mayorkas, how many crossings is a bad day? Per day, how many crossings is a bad day? If Secretary Johnson said 1,000 immigrants a day when he was in the position that you sent, if that was a bad day and that 4,000 a day was a crisis, what is a bad day for you, Secretary Mayorkas? Because we see now that the numbers have exploded. They're no longer 1,000 a day. They're not even 4,000 a day when this article was written. They're over 11,000 a day. And so in the last 20 seconds, what number to you represents a bad day when we see the number of apprehensions um, increase dramatically? Oh, it's a good question. What's, what's a bad day? Right, frame it. Vice Chairman uh, Guest, uh, we do not minimize the significance of the challenge at the southwest border, uh, and we are intensely focused on it. Is there a number? Would you like to give a number? I asked for a number. That was my question. What, what number to you represents a bad day? And are you refusing to answer the question? Vice Chairman uh, Guest, uh, as I said, we do not minimize the significance <clears throat> of the challenge at the southwest border. That, that wasn't my question, Mr. Mayorkas. My, I, I ask a simple question. Give me a number. And you're filibustering, and you're refusing to answer the question. What is that number? I, I have answered your question. No, you haven't, Mr. Mayorkas. You've not answered the question. Hmm. 
this guy, he never answers any question, ever. Marjorie Taylor Greene today in House hearings uh, talks about a Mayorkas impeachment being on the horizon. Secretary Mayorkas, I want you to look at these innocent Americans. Do you see them? I do, Congresswoman. They are dead. They're from Dalton, Georgia in my district. They're dead because a 17-year-old, likely affiliated with the cartels, was smuggling illegal aliens into our country in Texas, breaking our laws, and this happens every single day in our country. Earlier this week, eight Republicans joined the Democrats and protected your job. But I want you to know, you have a short time coming. You can honorably resign or we are going to impeach you. And it's happening very, very soon. Absolutely, absolutely atrocious. By the way, the eight Republicans that killed the impeachment right then and there on the spot is McHenry, North Carolina, McClintock, and Duarte from California, Isa from California, Fox from North Carolina, Cliff Benson, Oregon, Ken Buck, Colorado and Mike Turner from Ohio. Absolutely disgraceful. Sam Rajovsky, News Talk 840 KXNT. You're listening to the What's Right Show brought to you by Sam and Ash Injury Law because you deserve what's right. All right, friends, welcome. Welcome back to the program. Uh, Speaking of the presidential race, Vivek Ramaswamy, uh, things are heating up again around him, all because of Nikki Haley. This little feud that Vivek and uh, Nikki have, it's adorable. I think it uh, benefits Ramaswamy uh, because, of course, Nikki Haley right now is, I'll tell you, right, her polling is neck and neck with Vivek's. And I saw somebody somewhere last night. I'm watching Fox News. I'm, I went to bed a little bit early uh, last night. Needed a ton of sleep. Charging up for the Formula One events coming up here in Las Vegas. And I, yeah, and I, and look, I, I, I'm watching Fox News and I see this thing about, about somebody saying how now, you know, it's good that Pence has dropped out. It's good that Tim Scott's dropped out. And next, we need to see, wait for it, Chris Christie and Ramaswamy to drop out. And I'm going like, what? Why is no one saying, if Vivek's numbers are the same as Nikki Haley's, why would he drop out? Oh, she has to stay in because she's the approved candidate. Here on the What's Right show, Monday through Friday, 1 to 3 p.m., presented by Sam and Ash Injury Law because you deserve what's right, we get in to reality. That's, that's our waiting pool that we, we operate in, okay? So in the, in the real world, why would two candidates, one who's polling, both of which are polling at roughly the same level, plus minus, uh, why would one drop out and the other not? Particularly when I would argue Vivek has the more interesting, more um, up-to-date image for where this country ought to be. Uh, Haley, yeah, what? Right, right. What? Robbie here talking to me through the glass. What? What does what does Nikki Haley have to offer that 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 Fatso doesn't have? Right, Chris Christie. Sorry. 
uh, the cone man. Uh, so yeah, what do you? What does he have to? What? What? How are they any different? And 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 by the way, like oh, I know. Let me answer that for you, Robbie. See, Nikki Haley's a woman. Yesterday on the Ruthless podcast, uh, Nikki Haley said this about Ramaswamy. This is great. Um, he thinks he's got a, a a girl problem. He comes out of the gate. He hits. <laughs> the female chair of the party. He hits the female anchor on the platform, and then he hits me. And I'm not saying anything. I ain't saying I'm just saying. But he might have a girl problem. (laughs) I'm just saying he might have a girl problem. What? So Ramaswamy says, listen, you're not immune from criticism because you got an X chromosome. Like, shut up. And that's exactly right. Remember, Remember the hit? Remember the hit, remember Ramaswamy, his opening line was, why are we sitting here listening to questions being asked by these journalists, you know, that are here in front of me that are, that that have, that have all perpetuated the Russia collusion hoax. We ought to have Joe Rogan, Elon Musk, you know, uh, basically asking questions here. Remember that? Why are Republicans taking questions from Lester Holt? And who was his, I don't even, un, completely unmemorable, his, who's the side chick that, that, well, Welker was doing it. Okay, all right. Yeah, it was boring, and the question sucked, all right? And so he hits Welker, and now you see Naley's, Nikki Haley, I just combined her name first and last. Uh, Naley, kind of like that. Nikki Haley goes in and is defending the liberal anchor who it, hates Republicans, because she was criticized by Vivek Ramaswamy because she's a woman. This is so gross. Now, last Wednesday night, I want to bring this up here and resurrect it. Maddow uh, said this on her MSNBC panel following immediately following the debate. After he shouted out those guys and then insulted the female moderator and then insulted the one female candidate on the stage, I thought, what is he going to, he's already, he's just bowed to Joe Rogan and then insulted the first woman that he could see and then insulted the second woman. I I actually wrote in my notes, he has run out of women. What is he going to do next? But yet he he pulled a rabbit out of his hat. He decided to attack Nikki Haley's daughter who wasn't on stage or in the room as far as we know. But I mean, I I kind of wondered who he was going to hit next so Maddow who day in and day out for the entire pendency of of Trump in office smear after smear on her program ran with the Russian collusion hoax well after it was totally discredited her only takeaway from Ramaswamy's brilliant and on on the nose remarks criticism of of the anchor of Kristen Welker, who perpetuated the hoax, Lester Holt, that also perpetuated the 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 what what her only takeaway is huh, he's going after women. This is such this is such a lousy smear, and the reason I think that Vivek has lasting power is because he is substantive in his positions. And I think he's real in his positions. And he comes across as abrasive and he's young. His, his number one problem is that he's young. 
He's 20 years older, I think, uh, and a little, 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 you know, a little gray hair and a little mellow, not 38 years old. I, I, I think he's, he's, he's just, he's, he's an unknown going on, on stage and lighting it on fire, but he has a following. Nikki Haley is vanilla. Nikki Haley is a cheap 20, you know, 2004 era Republican. She's weak sauce. She's the flavor of the week for the establishment left that wants a Republican now that they can sort of get behind and then later destroy. And they know she is destroyable. And that's, that's, the, that's the honest truth about that. You saw, there was a, you saw that there was a credible threat on Trump's life, Robbie, from Iran. And then you're not going to believe, folks, you're not going to believe that after everything that happened, after October 7th, after the war, the, the war, it's literally going on right now in Israel, that the Biden administration is actually thinking about releasing another $10 billion to the Islamic Republic. You'd think we're living in crazy land. More on this when we return. Sam Rajofsky here, News Talk 840, KXNT. You're listening to the What's Right Show, brought to you by Sam and Ash Injury Law. Personal injury law is constantly changing. Uber and Lyft accidents aren't like other cases, but most law firms haven't kept up. Don't trust a new case to a lawyer who's stuck in the past. Call Sam and Ash, 702-820-1234, or visit SamAndAshLaw.com. Hi, welcome back. You're listening to the What's Right Show, live and local from beautiful downtown Las Vegas. Friends, happy to have you here. Sam Rajofsky behind the What's Right microphone, Nevada's favorite recovering Californian. So there's news today that a assassination plot against Trump and other of, of his administration officials uh, put together by Iran has been disrupted by the FBI. And so this is not just chatter. This is, they have actual recordings of, of Iranian operatives looking to hire hitmen. And one of them was an FBI informant. And so, you know, consequently the, the attack apparently was thwarted. I mean, this could be just one of many efforts underway to uh, target Trump and others. For example, Mike Pompeo, they arranged, they offered uh, a million dollars to a hitman to get him. Then they offered 300000 to get John Bolton, which uh, John Bolton told Leslie Stahl, talking to Leslie Stahl there in 60 Minutes, he said he found that offer insulting. Uh, I, <laughs> I don't um, well, this is, this is, it's all in retaliation for the assassination of Iranian General Qasem Soleimani. And the regime in Tehran has continued to plot this retaliation in form of assassination attempts. My guess is this is precisely why 14 hours ago, Biden has allowed Iran to access another $10 billion dollars. In a controversial move, the Biden administration has granted Iraq, Iran, excuse me, a four new four-month waiver, enabling it to re, enabling the release of billions of dollars to Iran, blocked by U.S. sanctions. Excuse me, it's yes, it, this is sanctions on money coming from Iraq to Iran. There we go. 
And so the decision uh, coming uh, just during the Gaza war, everything going on there, Iran backing Hamas, offering to pay millions of dollars to take out Trump, take out Mike Pompeo, and others, uh, other pivotal figures in the Trump administration. It seems like a, a, a really just a stupid move. Why would Biden continue to give money to Tehran? Robbie, explain this to me. How is this, this, this when I tell you that there are uh, people inside the Biden administration that are, that are Iranophiles, okay, that are absolutely beholden to Iran, who want parity, who want Iran to have a nuclear weapon, who are hell-bent on giving Iran enough power to counter Israel. When you, when, when you, when, if I tell you that, th- th- this, is, this is prima facie evidence of it. These four years of, of, of Joe Biden will end up bearing catastrophic consequences. They already have. But what's to come will dwarf what's happened to date. This is unbelievable. So, uh, so there it is. I mean, just be aware. That's uh, you. You want to end the war? If you want to end Hezbollah killing Israelis, if you want to end and pinch off Gaza and Hamas, then I I think you probably would do exactly the opposite of what Joe Biden's doing. Oh, we're going to give aid to Israel. Everybody's applauding Biden on the right. This is. Did they ever quote me? I think Politico interviewed me at the NJA. I gave them a blurb. I said, I said, so what do you, the guy asked me, the reporter asked me, what do you, what do you think, Sam, of, what do you think of Biden's support for Israel so far? And I said, yeah, it's great. He's going to disappoint us though. I mean, just, it's so far so good, right? That was three weeks ago. But don't, don't you, don't, don't wait. I'm more concerned about what happens Moving forward, well, da-da. Seeing all sorts of conservative friends of mine saying, well, there's one thing I agree with Biden on is his handling of Israel. Well, now, how do you feel about him releasing more money to Hezbollah, essentially, right? To Hamas. It's crazy. So this is, this is, uh, this is just absolutely remarkable to me. Okay, uh, Rashida Tlaib, by the way, was found to belong to a, you know who Rashida Tlaib is. She's one of the, she's one of the the, the batty women that uh, run around Congress. The the what do they call them? Thank you. The squad. Well, she's part of a secret Facebook group where Hamas terrorists are glorified. Yahoo News reporting that the Michigan Democrat member of Congress is a member of the Palestinian American Congress group on Facebook. A group's hidden from non-members does not appear on the platform search engine, uh, but Fox News and Yahoo were able to access it. The group's founder, Maher Abdel Qadr, has extensive ties to Tlaib. He's also been linked to other liberal politicians, has apparently made a number of anti-Semitic social posts, including questioning if the Holocaust has ever happened. One group member posted, we don't want to throw you in the sea. We want you to ride it back to where you came from, referring to the Jews in Israel. 
The message was accompanied by a picture of an elderly Israeli woman in a Hamas fighter holding her captive. Another group member wrote about the achievements of the resistance in northern occupied Palestine, including dozens of dead Israeli soldiers. So this is the kind of stuff that Rashida Tlaib likes to consume. Uh, in her social media uh, participating in this, and she's a member of the group. And what is it? Oh, and she's got yeah, and she's she's she knows some of the people who are who are I mean, particularly that guy I just described. It. She has she's connected to him. Yep. So, one of the guys was a key fundraiser for Tlaib. He donated sixty five hundred to her campaign. She is the Palestinian congresswoman, right? She and Ilhan Omar. They're they're like also uh, who who's who's uh, who's Mister Fire, Fire Alarm? Uh, Bowman, Jamal Jamal Bowman. Yeah, he's he's by the way he's he might get primaried, not just because of the fire alarm, but but because his district is a little tired of his anti Semitic leanings. So there's that. Um, I I think, yeah, I mean, I think this is fine and dance. It's all interesting. I'm I'm not surprised by any of it. It's not, uh, yeah, I'm not not surprised by any of it at all. Tlaib, but that's the thing, right? Dearborn, Michigan, there, there was a town in her district recently that put up Palestinian flags all over their welcome signs to the city. Then there was a town. There was a town in Michigan. Uh, excuse me, Massachusetts that hoisted up the Palestinian flag, together with the, with the state flag of Massachusetts, and of course the, the the American flag. So the you know the, the, this is this is uh, insanity. It's wild to me. What does by the way? What right now? If somebody, if you walk by a building. You walk by a house. You walk by anywhere where there are flags up, and they've got, or a window, somebody's window, and they are hanging a Palestinian flag. What does that? What does that mean, right? What's the message? So if I if I hang out a Trump flag, a Make America Great Again flag, we know what the message is, right? It's it's, it's clear, right? I'm a bigoted racist. Kidding, kidding, kidding. Put out a MAGA flag. I, I want some freedom. I want deregulation. I want low taxes. I want I want my 401k to blossom. And I want a closed border. And I want Iran to suck it. That's what a MAGA flag means. Okay, so what does what does a Palestinian flag mean? Well, I think it's I think the flag, folks, I think in the US, I think the flag means more than just you're supporting Hamas and supporting uh, you know, dead Jews. And yes, I went there. I'm saying that. Like, I literally, I, I, I literally believe that that is what it means globally, how it's used globally. But how it's used here, there's a, there's an extra layer. I think you're also signifying that you're, you're, you're out there. You are, you are woke. You are mega progressive. You are a revolutionary. You want death to all occupiers, including the ones that are living here in your midst. You want to upend society. You want to you want you want to change how things are done. You want to let all the criminals out so they go 
and kill all the oppressors, right? Rich people, white people, rich black people who have Uncle Tommed, all this stuff. This, I'm just, I'm, these are not my thoughts, right? This is just accumulated chatter that you can pick up by, by delving into social media for a, for a few, you know, hot minute. So this this is all this this is all out there. That's what I think the Palestinian flag. I think when you put up the Palestinian flag, it's you're also identifying as an extreme progressive. And I've said it once, I'll say it twice. It's these extreme progressives that would be the first to get the <laughs> when Hamas comes to power, okay? How long do you think how long, friends, do you think Rashida Talib lives in a Hamas run? Michigan. Think about it. Sam Rajovsky, News Talk 840 KXNT. Back in a moment. Don't go anywhere. Don't don't switch the dial. I will return. Uh, so yeah, What's Right Show brought to you by Sam and Ash Injury Law because you deserve what's right. All right, friends. Welcome back to the program. Interesting news, by the way. Target... Target, their sales uh, apparently, or earnings, the stock is going up. Uh, earnings um, have done pretty well for the stores in spite of sales declines. Interesting, since I've been following Target here on the What's Right show for some time, they are, they're, the, Target's a very woke company, all right? And I don't mean just because they are sending, uh, putting products out there for Gay Pride Month, you know, tucking, tucking gear for trans toddlers. And I don't mean just that. What I'm talking about, too, is their entire approach to theft losses. There's a California sheriff, when was this? This was a few days ago, came out. Jim Cooper, sheriff of Sacramento County in California said he was outraged when the store blocked his efforts, his department's efforts to help apprehend shoplifters. He posted uh, on Twitter, on X, a lengthy post explaining that, you know, he, he came in, his department wanted to help, and the store began putting all sorts of, of limitations. They didn't want suspects to be handcuffed in the store. If they were going to be handcuffed, they had to be processed outside. Now, you know, look, I, I'm just I'm just a lawyer here in town. I'm, you know, I'm a concerned citizen. I think if you steal in a store, you should be handcuffed right then and there so that somebody who is walking around at the same exact time looking at the scene taking place goes, oh, that's what they do to shoplifters. But no, Target is so woke. They are so uh, progressive that they don't want that happening in the store. It's not a good look. Imagine that. Accountability, right? Accountability for uh, for criminal behavior. So, you know, I I think look, their 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 stock has gone up. Um, but you know, in the last what it what was it, it fell also uh, significantly after their whole LGBTQIA uh, nonsense, and now they apparently haven't learned their lesson because they just hired an LGBTQIA activist to lead their 
LGBTQIA plus multicultural merchandising strategy, somebody named Eric Thompson, who looks like a freak. Yeah, he looks like a freak. He looks like something straight. He looks like one of those, uh, if he was, if there was a, um, yeah, if there was a, if, if, <laughs> if one of the, if one of the bad guys in Beverly Hills Cops in 1987 if it was uh, if it was if that person was trans, um, he calls himself Gay Cruella on on uh, on on Instagram. He's got a Black Lives Matter fist. He probably is a big fan of Hamas. So anyway, this guy is uh, has started um, yeah started uh, started his new position. So they don't get it. And by the way, stock prices, it's fascinating. They're losing money. Their, their overall sales, their operating sales are down 4.9% year over year. So their chief executive, Brian Cornell, he's, a, uh, this is, he's part of the problem here, right? He says sales trends have clearly been tougher than expected this year, and we firmly focus to getting back to growth. Yeah, with hiring freaks like Eric Thompson and at the same time not wanting law enforcement to do their job when they're stealing from your store. I have a question. I don't have any, I don't think I have, all right? Somebody else invests my money, but I don't have Target stock to my knowledge. Last time I checked, I didn't. And, but if I did, and some of you might, right? As part of your 401k or your, your investment strategy, wouldn't you be a slight touch bit concerned? Setting aside the culture war stuff, wouldn't you be a little bit concerned if management of the company that relies entirely on selling products that are on store shelves to be sold and presumably loses money when there is increased theft loss, wouldn't you be a little bit concerned as a co-owner investor in the company that the store didn't want law enforcement to do its job. See, I would think that this is a dereliction of duty on the part of, 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 of the executive team here on the board. That they haven't fired this worthless CEO is, is beyond me. And the fact that they continue to suck up to these type of radical activists like this uh, gay Cruella this is again what Eric Thompson calls himself. I, I don't, you know, Gay Cruella and, and hiring him into this executive role to lead their LBGTQIA multicultural merchandising strategy and pride businesses, which I think is, um, I, I, think, uh, I, I think that it's, um, I think that this is all gonna eventually blow up in their face, no? Oh, and he supports Black Lives Matter. Remember, I, you know, I've gone through the losses that Target's had. This is fascinating. They, 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 their losses since 2020, their shrinkage, it's a nice term, but it's, it's referring to, to theft, okay? Their shrink has, has, gone, has gone, what is it? I mean, it's like doubled or tripled in the last three years, over the last three years. It's significant. Now, you know, purchase power of regular Americans is down. Target also sells groceries and things like that, household goods, um, and I would say even necessities, right? Toilet paper, et cetera. So a chunk of t Target's business is dependent on the economy being solid, which it's not. And at the same time, it continues to 
do this kind of stuff that I think is 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 self 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 harming. My prediction is that in the long run, that this um, this all uh, just only gets gets worse for them. I saw this by the way. They've got they've got a handicapped Santa. Robbie, did you see this? They've got some ornaments of a handicapped Santa. Target does yes. Now, I yeah. Can I can I ask? Do I need to put in a accessible ramp in my chimney? Right. I mean, what <laughs> kids? I'm sorry. This year, no presents for you because uh, Santa is uh, is crippled. I'm just. I'm. It's just getting ridiculous. It's not good or it's not certainly I mean I, I know people who are who are who are handicapped it's, it's a terrible thing right it's limiting it's part of who they are but Santa's identity is he's not handicapped right I mean unless he you know has something's happened to him if he's had a, a work injury okay or maybe 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 well Right, he is he is supremely able. That's the whole thing. He can travel all around the world in what in in, in eighteen hours, and and visit a, a lots of little kids and very generous. He's up and down the chimney, and that's not bad for a senior citizen of a certain size. I would say that, and that's the problem, right? I, I guarantee you, somewhere in these wackadoodle. A multicultural LGBTQIA merchandising department. They're having a meeting. They're going. You know what? Santa Santa as an icon is way too ableist. That's what they're saying. I bet you they've used that terminology to describe Santa. So you know what we're going to do? We're going to make Santa. We're going to give him a wheelchair. So folks, you heard it here first. Uh, if you want, if your kids want presents, set up a ramp. It's go time. Sam Rajowski here in this talk 840 KXNT. So happy to have had you with us. The What's Right Show will continue tomorrow. See you then.